Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Well, today just gets a little bit better. Uh, I said to the first service that today's just going to be a great Sunday. Uh, touch your neighbor or somebody next to you and just say, hey, it's going to get more better. It's just going to get more better here, okay? All right? And uh, you say, why? Because today's a special Sunday because we have the one, the only, the great Angel Casillas. He's not just pulling out a guitar. He's opening up the word today, and he's going to preach for us. And I'm so honored and thrilled that he's here as a part of our staff and our team. And here's what I love about Angel and Jennifer. They are incredibly talented. If you're around them, you'll see that they're talented. But I told them this. I said, I care more about testimony than talent. Uh, That's the most powerful thing about them. And their testimony is their talent's incredible, but their testimony is even more powerful. And so I love this couple. I love this family. So can we just give them a good welcome this morning as he comes and preaches the word this morning? God bless you. As I said in the first service, pastor talks me up, and if I don't deliver, you guys are going to feel cheated this morning. But I want to welcome everyone uh, this morning. Good morning. I hope your morning has been going great so far. We did have a great first service. It's been um, awesome hearing about the ministry um, the missionaries are doing as well. I used to be an EMT. I don't know if they need EMTs, but... Maybe I'll sign up. <laughs> but good morning. Um, I just want to invite you. For, if, this is, um, if this is your first time, I want to welcome you this morning. And if you haven't filled out your, the, the guest card, for, for some reason I cannot English in this moment. Um, if you haven't filled out the guest card, go ahead and fill it out and turn it in, in for, to one of the ushers. Because we have a small gift for you. And we're glad that you're here. We are excited that you are here. Um, so today I want to invite you guys to open up the Word of God, um, your Bibles, to Exodus 33, and we're going to be reading out of verses 7 to uh, 11. And if you don't have a Bible, please let us know. We will get you one. We want you to have one um, and read it. And so today uh, we continue on our series called Spiritual Resolutions. We're on part four, and today is on time with God. First week, Pastor talked about faithfulness. That as we start our new year and we begin making all these resolutions, that it's not the number of resolutions that we make, but rather the amount of time we spend on our resolutions that will make a difference. I loved that he said that because it's so true. I've made several, probably broke all of them already. Um, also, um, being f- and then the following week we talked about vision. That vision is something that is out of reach, but not out of sight. And last week was spiritual momentum. And if you haven't heard any of those first three ones, I encourage you to go back and read and hear them because they were a great blessing. And I know they're going to be a great blessing as you begin this new year. So you can start strong. So you can set the right um, resolutions with the right attitude and the right heart. Amen. So I want to I want to ask you guys here. Have you ever heard this famous phrase? I just don't have the time. Yeah. How many of us have used it before? Yeah. I use it all the time, especially when I want to avoid adding something to my schedule that I really don't want to do. And I'm sure, anyone else? Or is it just me? Well, 
I've heard, Angel, you should do this, or you should do that. Oh, you should probably do this too. And usually the answer is, you're right, I should. I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. You know, Angel, you should really work on, you're right, but I don't have the time. But the reality is, um, we do have the time. We just choose to put it towards what we prioritize and to the things we love. But what if I told you this morning that oftentimes we prioritize the wrong things? And we find so much time to waste in our everyday life. If we looked at our life from the moment you get up to the moment you go to sleep, I promise you, you wouldn't say, I don't have the time. So how many of us made resolutions this year? Yeah. Again, like I said, I made about 40. I've kept one. Um, But that's okay. Um, Out of all those resolutions you've made, did any of you put on there, spend more time with God? I got to be honest, I, I didn't. And as I was preparing for this message, um, pastor gave me the, the, the theme on it about a month ago. I was like, yeah, time with God. And then I realized, oh, dang, like I didn't even put that as a resolution for me to want to spend more time with God. And so I felt convicted so quickly. And so if it wasn't part of your resolutions for this year, it's okay. You have time to add them. That's right. Amen? Yeah. So... We're going to, the pastor we're about to read, we find Moses not only demonstrating to all the Israelites that he prioritizes time with God above all things, but also the importance of establishing a place where you specifically go to meet with God and spend time with him. So let's go ahead and read. The word of God says as follows. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Oh, God bless his word. So my question for you this morning is this. Where's your tent? Have you established your own tent of meeting? A place where it's just you and God and nothing else. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the worship, the songs, Lord, for uh, the testimony of the missionary, Father. We just see how you work in, in every aspect, Lord, through, through music, through missions, Lord. We, we just thank you that you are good, Lord. And right now, Father God, I just pray that as I, be, I bring this word, Father, that you withhold my tongue from saying things I want to say, and that may it be you speaking through me and only you, Father God. And I pray, Father God, for the hearts of everyone in here this morning. I pray, Lord, that they leave transformed by the power of your word, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And as we continue this year, Father, I pray, Father, for everyone here that we prioritize our time with you, Lord. And all of God's people say, Amen. So let me give you a little bit of context of the passage we just read. Moses had already gone up to Mount Sinai. I always want to say it in Spanish. Uh, Mount Sinai, I always pause before I say it. And he received two tablets with Ten Commandments on them. If you haven't um, read the story, I encourage you to read the book of Exodus. It is great. 
Um, but so he had he also had received instructions on how to make a portable tabernacle for the people of God to come and worship him. And, and between services, one person came up to me, one of the brothers, and was like, man, I actually read the specifications for that tabernacle. And he's like, I was blown away. It was so specific. God gave instructions on what, how he wanted the place where people would go to meet him to be built. Right? But do you know what else happened? Right before this um, passage, the chapter before, the people of Israel committed a big sin. They committed idolatry. They broke the pact they had made with God that they would serve him and only him. And it's funny. And as I was reading this, I was like, oh, man, that, you know, we're exactly like the Israelites in the desert. Because the reason why they made this, um, they, they forged this golden calf because Moses had taken too long up on the mountain and hadn't descended back down to them. And so they were like, where do you go? And. His brother was like, hey, let's just make our own God. Let, let's gather all the gold and we're going to make our own God. And he went on to say, this is our God who saved us from captivity. Imagine that, witnessing the things God did and then making an idol. Saying, no, no, he did it. And so they broke the promise, the pact they had made with God, right? And so... Um, it's crazy and sad how easy it is to turn back our, our backs on God. After seeing all, everything he does, we do the same thing. And so as I was there, you know, reading all high and mighty, I was just like, I do the same thing, angel, you know? But anyways, well, it's like, well, excuse Moses for taking too long with talking with God, right? So anyways, in an attempt to restore that relationship that, that had been broken between the people of Israel and God, Moses, when he came back, first thing he did actually was he was destroyed by what had happened. So he broke the first original uh, tablets with the Ten Commandments. And he established this tent of meeting where people could go and worship God to try to reconcile that relationship. And this is what I love. He didn't wait for the tabernacle to be built. He went and pitched the tent. And as the pastor said, the vision was... The tabernacle, right? And it was, out of, it was out of reach, but not out of sight. And he said, we're going to start now. And I love that he did that. Well, I'm sorry for the long introduction, but that leads us to the passage we just read. This is where we're at now. And I quickly want to share with you a couple things that stand out from the passage we just read. And a pastor um, preached uh, two messages in one a couple weeks ago. or few, um, I don't remember if it was last week or a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to do the same today. Um, you get two for the price of one. I'm kidding. I'm quickly going to just read what, a couple things that just stood out for me. A couple things that usually if we read um, the scripture really quickly, we'll miss. Um, I read this passage about 40 times, and it's the reason why I caught them. But check this out. I first want to point out Moses' uh, discipline. Look what it says in verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent. That wording right there doesn't mean he did it once. It means he did it all the time, used to take. It was a lifestyle for him. It wasn't that once he went, once met with God, heard from God, and was like, I'm set for the rest of my life. No, 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 look at the discipline. He made it a practice to consistently go and meet with God. And then I want you to point out, I want to point out the second thing that stood out to me. 
he established this tent of, of meeting for the benefit, not just of himself, for himself, but for anyone who wanted it. What do I mean by that? Even though he established this place of meeting, only the people that wanted to seek the Lord went. Look what it says. Anyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting. See, Moses created a space, but he couldn't force them to go. Just like Moses, this church, we create a place for you to come and worship God together on a corporate level. We, we create a space for you to fellowship with each other, to you know, sing songs, to receive, to grow. But we cannot make those private um, moments for you. You've got to want that. That comes from the heart. See, we worship God on a corporate level, but we also have to worship him on an intimate, personal level. And neither of the, of the two negate each other because God will work and say things in your private meeting with him that he won't say in a corporate meeting. And he will work and say things on a corporate level that he won't do on a personal level. So we need both church. And then I want you to check some, something out. He said... Um, Whenever, so he, Moses used to, tent, uh, used to take the tent and pitch, out, pitch it outside the camp, far off the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. So he named it a place where he meets God. And he didn't name it that just for kicks. It wasn't like, oh yeah, that's where, you know, we go to meet God, but it's not, God showed up. There was evidence that God would meet him there. It says that the pillar um, of of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Moses. So there was evidence that of God's presence in that place. Not just by the pillar of cloud that would descend, but also the way Moses would lead. There was evidence that he spoke with God. And then the fourth thing that stood out to me was God speaks to those who seek him. God is there. He's waiting and wanting to spend time with you. But you have to establish that tent, that place where you're going to meet him. So everyone has a spot they go for specific things. Am I right? So everyone has a pizza spot. I usually go to uh, Little Caesars. That's my spot. Um, I'm kidding. It's, it's, it's not bad for, you know, seven, eight bucks. Because um, it's no longer $5. They still advertise it as that, and that's a lie. Um, but we also have our taco spots. You know, I, I don't know where your guys' is, but my wife's and I's is um, la, um, Super Taqueria. And, if you, and I think those are the best tacos in the Bay Area. Um, and if you disagree with me, come at me. You can have your own wrong opinion. Um, but I'm kidding. But also, we have our coffee shops we like to go to, right? So don't judge me, but I actually have about three, four coffee spots I hit, depending on what I want to drink. If I'm uh, looking for a cold brew, um, I usually drink it at my house because I think I make the best cold brew. Um, but if I'm looking for a, uh, just espresso, I'll go to a certain one. If I'm looking for a Cortado or a Gibraltar, I go to another one. If I, I, I never drink lattes, but there's a place where I like to drink them. So, and then... And I'll explain why this matters. And then my brother, he has about three barbers. Okay. Um, and I'm like, dude, they all do the same thing. They cut hair. Right. But depending on what he wants, the detail he wants, what kind of fade. There's, I, if you don't know about hair, the first time he took me to a barber, he was ex like, when he was explaining what to do to me, I was like, what is he asking them to do to me? 
He's like, can you do this type of fade, this degrees? I was like, degrees? You know? But he goes, no, no, when I want to get the design or when I'm going to do this, I go to this one. Or I go to this one. I go to this one. Right? But he goes specifically, um, so he goes to a specific barber when he wants something specific. Right? See, we go to these specific places because it fulfills and meets criteria that we look for. Okay? And Moses did the same thing with this tent of meeting. And if this morning you haven't pitched your tent, it's okay. Let me encourage you because it's not too late. The only time it becomes too late is if we die. And we're all here living and breathing. Amen? So you got time. And I hope today, um, after today, if you haven't you know, pitched your tent, established that tent of meeting, that you will do so. And maybe you're like, Angel, I have one, but you know what? It's... I don't feel like I haven't heard from God or it's taking so long. Well, let's see what Moses did because he was very specific on how he set it up, okay? So I want us to see very important details of the place he established, okay? This took discipline to establish in this very specific way. So the first thing I want us to look at is the discipline of the tent. First off, it's intentional. Moses pitched a tent that was for one purpose only. We have to find a place. We have to establish a place where we go to specifically meet with God. Let me tell you why. If we choose a spot that we use for other things, more often than not, we'll do the other thing. If we like, well, this is the desk. I usually do homework. I usually do my finances. I, I, this is where I meet God. Let me tell you, when you come and you sit down, you're going to do your taxes. You're going to do your homework. And you're going to forget about your meeting with God. Isn't it incredible that when we're like, okay, and, and I've done this so many times. Okay, you're going to wake up at this time. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Um, and, and you're going to sit down here and you're going to read. You're going to pray. And out of nowhere, I just developed this like spider senses and like this supersonic hearing that I can hear an ant walking down the street. Everything and their mom is distracting me. I'm like, oh. anyone else? Yeah, right? It's like the enemy does not want us to spend time with God. So everything becomes a weapon against us. So it has to be intentional. Another thing I want you to see, it's far from the camp. This is part of the, part of the discipline of this tent, okay? It's far from the camp. Look, look we're going to read uh, verse 7 again, but look, Moses didn't establish his tent in the middle of everyday life. He could establish it in the smack center of the, of the camp where everyone can go to it easily, where everyone can walk by like, oh, that's right, I got to go in there. No, 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 no. It says he established it far from the camp, far from the middle of all the chaos, far from the responsibilities. So look, don't miss these details. First, it says, now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. So first he set a location far off from the camp and he called it the tent of meeting. And then after he set the place, he named it. Why is that important? Because oftentimes when you name something, it gives it more value. So name your meeting with God. Oh, it's my appointment time. Oftentimes people won't ask you, like, oh, what are you going to do? Oh, I have an appointment. What kind of appointment? Usually people don't ask, right? Name your, um, your time with God because it will give it more value. And then it, he gives, Moses gives this place a purpose. Look what it says. And he called it the tent of meeting. The purpose was to meet someone. It was, the purpose was solely to meet God. And then... He reiterated where he, tent, where he pitched the tent. Look what it says. 
He called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Again, he said, it was far off. And he did it on purpose, because your tent has to be away from your everyday life. It has to be where it's just you and God. Because what happens is we begin to remember, oh, I need to do this today. I, I, oh, man, I have this need. I have that need. And we forget how good God is. Those things become greater than the great I am. And we forget how God comes through for us week in and week out, even when we don't come through for him by simply giving up 10 minutes of our mornings for him. You know, I admire Pastor Micaiah. He has mentioned it um, in, in this series that he gets up between 4 and 4.30 a.m. in order to have uninterrupted time with a private alone time with God. Pastor, that's incredible. You know, I've been trying to do that, but it's hard. Who wants to be up at 4? No one, right? The only person maybe is Jane. <laughs> but and, and, and it, it, it costs you. It it's hard. It's not easy. I'm sure there's times where pastors are like, you know what? I think I can pass today. But no, his desire to meet God says, no, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go meet God in, the mo- in this silent moment where it's just me and him and no one else. And it leads me to the next part. Part of the discipline of setting your tent is it's going to cost you. Moses had to walk far out from the camp every time he went to the tent of meeting. And, and I honestly believe based on what I've read that he would go multiple times throughout the day I don't think it was just once a week no I think anytime he's like I just need to speak with God and he would drop everything and go out there and meet with God it's not going it's not going to be easy I'm sure it's not easy for pastor but he seeks that he desires that he wants to hear God speak to him And if you've ever hung out with him, there's evidence that God speaks with him, this man right here. The visions, the goals that God has placed in his life are incredible. And those visions and goals are a result of his personal time with God. Amen? You can be rest assured that you have a pastor that speaks with God, and this is important, and that God speaks to him. That, that's an amen, guys. That's your leader right there. <laughs> so that, what, what that means is you have to do it early in the morning before the distractions of all day. So that means that you have to stop watching Netflix earlier in, at night, then stop watching Netflix earlier in the night. If it means that you have to stop you know, browsing through Instagram, through TikTok, um, you know, two hours before you go to bed so you can get all that junk out of your head, then do that. but you have to wake up early and go to your meeting place with God. Now, early is going to be different for other people, right? But the, the point is you have to start with that meeting with God. You know, some, say, some may be saying, Angel, I just don't have the time. Well, make time, church. Because spending time with God is not only the most amazing blessing we have, and I call it a blessing because think about this. The God of all creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the the maker of heaven and earth delights when his children seek him to spend time with him. What a blessing. 
but it also impacts your life and those around you. It impacts the life, your life on a personal level, at, your, at the family level, at your professional level. So let's go to the result of that tent, okay? The first thing that we see, and, and we see this in, in, in this passage as well, that you begin to develop an intimacy with God. Have you ever met someone that just radiates Jesus? Like they're just so genuine, and, and, and it's not fake. It's just, they're just so genuine in, about their faith, about their love for God. They, they love so genuinely. They, they, they're so kind. Like after you hang out with them, you just want to go be with Jesus. It's like, oh, I want to be like that guy. No? Anybody hang out with someone like that? Because you haven't hung out with me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> See, in the next chapter of Exodus, Moses goes back up to the Mount Sinai and comes down. The Bible says he comes down with his face glowing because he had just spent time talking with God. You want to know what the coolest part about this is? And, and I missed it until I read it again like the 40th time. It says that when he came back down, he didn't even realize his face was glowing. Why? Because you cannot fake your time with God. Because people all around you will know the way you act, the way you love, the way you walk and talk like Jesus. People will know if you've spent time with God or not, my friend. You know, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was reading, I, I, I read on, um, what's it called, about Abraham's life, Isaac's, Jacob, Moses. Um, I, I read about Jesus because I wanted to see, okay, these men that were just so influential in the kingdom of God, how much time did they spend with God? And man, it was incredible what I found. You know, and, and a lot of the interactions that they would have, you know, on a personal, intimate level like this uh, with, with, with God, I was like, you know what? I bet you there's more that went on in that meeting than what we read in scriptures. I bet there's, there, I wonder what went on in those moments of intimacy with them where God just showed them things. It strengthened them, encouraged them. And then I felt convicted as if God was clearly saying, you don't have to wonder, angel. You can do it too. And, and, and to be honest, it was as, angel, the door is open for you two to experience these things. I just don't want it. That's what it comes down to. You know, um, and, and some of us are, and, and what my excuse was like, well, God, I, things are different nowadays. They, they don't have, you know, to pay rent like I did. They don't have to pay a car payment. They don't have to do this. They don't have to do that. And, and you know what? You're right. Time has changed. Even the way we gather and worship God is different than what used to, um, how they used to do it. But you know what hasn't changed? The need to spend time with God. Because I honestly believe that God still wants to speak to us like he spoke to Moses, like he spoke to Peter, like he spoke to Paul. I really believe that from the bottom of my heart. He wants to use us like they did, like he used them. And, and I remember us saying, Lord, use me. Use me, Lord. And it was as if God was like, and, and I'm talking to me personally. We, it's, you want to walk in the same authority as they, do, they did, in the same calling, the same anointing as they did, but without having to sacrifice like they did. It just ain't going to work. Spending time with God 
develops this level of intimacy that God speaks to you in such powerful ways. I want to get to the point where it's a, where, it, you know, one day hopefully people will read and God would speak to angel as, as a friend speaks to, to him. But we don't have to wonder, church. We can achieve that. Another thing. Another result of spending time with God in that tent is humility. What do I mean by that? When we don't have our prayer time, when we don't start our day in that tent of meeting, surrendering, seeking God's help and direction and strength, what we're saying, essentially you're saying, I don't need your help today, God. I got this. Let me do me today. And let me tell you, when, <laughs> those days where I'm like, I'm going to do me, I do me and I mess up bad. I think I know better than you today, God. I got this. That's essentially what we're saying, church. And you know what that is? It's called pride. And then it says that scripture says God detests the proud and humbles the proud. But when we start our day in prayer, in our time with God, in that meeting place, we're saying, God, I'm not smart enough to accomplish everything I want today. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kind enough. I'm not savvy enough. I'm not loving enough. I need you, God. I cannot do this without you. You know what happens? God rejoices in that because we're humbling ourselves and we're recognizing that we need him in every aspect of our lives. An incredible thing happens. God blesses your plans, but then blesses you beyond what you even thought you needed. Blesses you in a way beyond you didn't even know you could be used. But that only happens when you humble yourself. And that only happens when you start your day off in that tent of meaning. You know, there's someone in this church that we all know and we all love. And, and I asked him for permission before, you know, I, I use him as, a, uh, as an example. But there was some, when I first came here, um, and I'm talking about Brother Curtis. Um, I think I had uh, officially been part of Southridge uh, like a week or two. And he calls me up like 9 p.m., on, uh, I want to say Monday or Tuesday, hey man, I'm at your house. I was like, huh? Like, first off, how do you even know where I live, you know? And I was like, and I opened the door, I was like, no, you're not. And then he goes like, am I somewhere else? And so he was in another, uh, another complex, um, and he had knocked, it was funny. But anyways, he came and he welcomed me and my wife with their, um, his wife's famous champagne cake, and I was just blown away. It's like, wow, what led this guy to be out at 9 p.m., you know, just to deliver this small token and say welcome? But not only that, I don't think, I, I've met a lot of generous people, a lot of loving people, but this brother wears his heart on his sleeve. He is so loving, he is, and it's so genuine. He's so generous. I don't know if, how many of you guys know this, but we, um, for almost a year, we didn't have a place to practice for worship. And you know what he did? He opened up his home, you know, his home studio for us to come and practice. I'm sure it was time he wanted to spend with his wife. But we're over here, you know, banging on the drums. <laughs> but he did it because he's humble about everything he owns, about everything he is. He has given it to God. And I was like, okay, what is the source of that humility? And one day we were talking and he tells me, 
Um, I don't even know how he came up, but he said, every day at 5 a.m., he gets up, drives away from his house. He, he has to go away from all the distractions, and he goes to a specific parking um, lot, and he prays there, and he watches the sunrise as he's communing with God. And I was like, that's the source. That's why he's the way he is. And it was, it was beautiful. He walks the talk, you know? And so the next thing that happens is you become a life changer. What do I mean by that? See, when the more you meet with God in that, in that tent, the more you begin to impact those around you. Not only your life, but those around Moses could have been on everyone's case about going to the tent of meeting. Hey, over there, you haven't been in there a couple days. You? Been a couple months, man. What's up? Like, you going to go or not? But instead, he, you know, he could have enforced it as the leader of the Israelites. Everyone has to go and meet with God. But he didn't. Instead, he showed it with his life. Instead, he demonstrated and said, this is the most important thing in my life, to go and meet God in that tent. His commitment to spending time with God not only transformed his life, and he was used in such incredible ways by God, but it also changed the life of those around him. Look what verses 8 to 10 say. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. This is very important for, 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 for leaders. And, and I truly believe that God has called each and every one of us to be leaders, to lead someone to further commitment to Jesus. Yeah. And so what we can see right here is that as a leader, all eyes are on you. It means that people are going to see how you talk. People are going to see how you love, how you get angry, how you respond to criticism. People are watching. And they were watching Moses day in and day out go meet God in that tent. And then people would stare, right? Have you ever, have you ever prayed at a restaurant and then like just people like are staring at you? We went, um, Jennifer and I went to this restaurant, and I kid you not, man, the next person was, like, right here. And I was like, dude, like, the, the tables were separated by this. I was like, you want to join, you know? It, but it was so close. But what's it called? Um, I remember praying. I can just, like, feel them staring. You know, we were praying for our food. And, like, I said amen, and I glanced, and they were just like, what is this guy doing, you know? But people watch. So if you out there saying, I'm a follower of Christ, People are watching. People are watching. See, Moses' commitment, again, affected those, uh, commitment to spending time with God affected those around him. It enabled and encouraged them for those who were watching to also worship God. Look what it says. And when all the people saw the pillars of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Worship is contagious. I remember one time I was leading worship and I looked and it looked like everyone was just had a smelly sock in their, in their nose. Everyone was out there like this. Not here, I promise. And I was like, why are these guys worshiping? And God was like, show them how, just worship. And I just started, you know, I was like, you know what, God, I'm going to try. I'm going to worship you. And by the end, people were engaged. People were imitating what they were seeing. 
And that's what Moses did. He enabled them to worship, to go into that tent of meeting because he demonstrated every day with his life. One of the, um, one of the things that, I'm um, oh, sorry, one of, um, one of my favorite parts of this verse in verse 11 is when Moses turned again into the camp, so after he had finished his own personal time, right, going back to whatever he was going to do that day, maybe he had to defeat another army, <laughs> um, his assistant Joshua the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from that tent. It doesn't say that Joshua would stay longer, a little longer. No, it says he would not depart it. So not only did um, Moses' commitment to uh, meeting God every day impact this man's life to also want to do the same, Joshua also had the desire not to leave the presence of God. Parents, do your kids ever watch you worship? Do they ever watch you pray? Do they ever listen to what you're, how you're worshiping and praying God? In my old church, you know, when I would, um, um, some of the parents would tell me, like, you know, I just can't get my teenagers to come worship. It's like, well, have they ever seen you do it? And that's not a, you know, like a low blow or anything, but it's like, no, they're, they're going to imitate what they see. And if they don't know how, show them how. Leaders, if you're leading a, you know, a, any ministry, if you're uh, um, the, the parking lot team, the cafe, whatever it is, are you, do your volunteers see you worship? Do your volunteers see you uh, pray for them, invite them, show them how? That's what Moses did with Joshua. Joshua wasn't content with Moses having a good, strong relationship with God. He wanted that for himself. Joshua didn't rely on his leader praying and performing miracles and great things. He didn't write, he didn't write on, on those efforts of Moses. He said, no, I want that for myself. And so, pastor knows that the goal of raising the funds for this incredible building is only a tool for the main mission of Southridge which is to find, to, to lead people to find and follow Jesus. As a building is built, being built, we're continuing to build the church. But it starts by spending time with God. The way you worship is going to impact those around you. And so some of you are probably like, okay, I establish, I, I'm going to establish my tent angel, but how do I even begin this? Because something I was thinking about, and I, I told my wife, I was like, you know, we can't really hold um, against people that don't know how to have this personal time, anything against them if they've never been taught, right? So I want to give you guys just a quick tool on how to do it. And, and, and this is just to get you started. Please don't live on five minutes of prayer for the rest of your life. <laughs> no, but this is just to get you going. So the first thing I want, I want you to do, five minutes of worship. So, you, so put on a music, uh, a worship video, and, and maybe in that moment you're like, hey, I can sing. Hey, we're looking for singers. But why do we worship first? So what has to happen to the soil before you plant it and water it? Before you plant a seed and water it? You have to turn the soil. You have to soften it. 
prepare it for what it's about to receive. And that's what worship does. When we sing, when we're worshiping God, he's turning your heart, ready to receive what you're about to read. Sorry, I think. There it is. (laughs) And then five minutes of Bible. Just start by passage, read Proverbs, read um, the Psalms. Just start with five minutes. Just say, Lord, I'm going to start with these five minutes, but I want you to speak to me and give me understanding for what I'm about to read. And then five minutes of prayer. See, I love to pray after I read the Bible because when you start reading, everything you were about to come to God with that isn't, it, 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 it matters, but when you read scripture, you're like, wow, Jesus, you're so good. That doesn't matter. And so it starts transforming your prayers. It starts transforming your desires. That vision, those goals you have for this coming year, God turns it from man-centered, man-sized to God-sized. And not only he, he begins to, you know, um, you begin to accomplish what you want in your life, but then you're also accomplished at a level where you begin to impact the kingdom. Brian, can we mute the bass, please? Thank you. It begins to transform your ambitions because we're in this kingdom that is unseen, right? I, I totally missed the, the, the verse, but I want to read it to you. When we go into our tent of meeting with God, we're reminded that this life isn't just about the things seen, but also the things unseen. We need to be reminded that there's more than physical realities, church. There's spiritual realities that are, in fact, greater. Because at the end of the day, you're not taking anything you have here with you. But is your heart right with God? Is your family's heart right with God? Is your friends and loved ones' heart right with God? See, when we go into that prayer tent, God reminds us of that. And when we, when we read scripture before we pray, God transforms that thinking. Second Corinthians says, as we look not to the things that are seen, sorry, Second Corinthians 4.18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, we have great resolutions for this year. But how many are kingdom related? Think about that. You know, we have goals and they're great goals. But when you give them to God, when you come with your visions to God, he'll he'll do do this. He'll either transform it where it benefits you even greater than you thought and the kingdom. Or he'll change it to something that's better. Amen. Don't get me wrong. Your plans and your, um, and your goals are important. But when we come to God and, and read his word, we realize there's the most important thing is seeking him. And then after five minutes of prayer, this is something I added, and it's been a game changer for me. Just spend their five minutes listening. Because you're having a conversation, right? Conversation you expect to talk and then be talked back to. So oftentimes we'll be praying for five minutes of everything we need. And they're like, okay, amen, I'm going to start my day. And then we miss out on what God wanted to speak to us. 
So after you, after you, five minutes of worship, five minutes of reading the Bible, five minutes of prayer, just sit there in silence for five minutes. Can I have the worship team come up? Just five minutes of, 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 of silence. And just say, Lord, I have no, I, I just want to hear from you. There's a quote um, that I really, that, that I read and I got really convicted by it. It said, um, it's by J. Oswald Sanders. He says, we are at this moment as close to God as we really choose to be. True, there are times when, you would, when we would like to know a deeper intimacy, but when it comes to the point, we are not prepared to pray the price involved. That struck me because it's very true. You know, when pastor asked me um, to talk about, to bring the, the word on time with God, I was excited because I was like, yes, I get to encourage them. You know, I get to um, just hopefully uh, impact you guys to start, you know, making a 10, spending time with God. And then it was as if God was like, have you been doing it? And, 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 and in full transparency, you know, the last quarter of this last year, man, did it get busy with work, finishing projects before the holidays, extra services, extra, all kinds of things. But the reality is they were just excuses for my shortcoming. And I told my wife, I was like, Jennifer, how am I going to preach on something I haven't been doing? You know, so at, at the end of last year, um, God convicted me of that. And so I had to make changes, you know, and, and this is by no means to glow or anything, but I want you to see the difference it makes when you intentionally set a place, when you intentionally come to him, with the purpose of just, just meeting him and giving him everything you are, everything you have. And you see how he blesses it, how he changes your heart, how he changes your mind on things, how he changes, transforms your, your ambitions, your goals. Um, we, we started doing uh, 21 days of fasting and praying, right? And uh, pastor didn't actually um, ask, ask me, he's like, hey, do it, you know? I probably would have been like, I'm good, bro. Because the thought of not being able to drink caffeine, drink coffee for 21 days, the fact of not, the, the, the thought of not being able to get Cold Stone, because Cold Stone is my favorite ice cream, I was like, I can't do it. But then I was like, hold on, how, how, am I, how do I want to expect my team I lead to do the same if I don't do it? And so when you begin to give up things, when you begin to sacrifice things you like, oh man, God speaks to you, church. It's hard. I remember um, the first year I met Pastor Micaiah, he was doing a 40-day fasting. He looked miserable. <laughs> but I remember that revival night. Oh my gosh. You see a man who sacrificed what he had to in order for God to speak to him. And, and, and as I started, you know, fasting, giving up these things, um, in Christmas, I, I shut off Instagram because, oh, man, I love just scrolling. But there's so much garbage on there. You know, and then I took off Facebook. And then the last couple of weeks, I just I started taking off all my streaming services. And there's a lot of shows I'm in the middle of. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they left me on a cliffhanger. But you have to be intentional about sacrificing what you need to do to hear from God. You have to. You know, and I encourage you, church, if you can, do it. And I think we all can, so do it. <laughs> so I'm going to invite you to stand up in this moment.
And I want to invite you to just take a quick survey of your life. Just analyze it. And just be like, have I set up my tent? You know, and if, if the answer is no, it's let's, let's do it together. If you're like, I have it set up, but I've been doing it wrong, then let's fix what we have to fix. Angel, I just, I just love doing this. Trust me, I love ice cream so much. And, and Jane was laughing at me last week. We were talking about it. I was like, I had this, this obsession with it. But it's like, no, I, anything you put before God is an idol, church. So I want you to analyze and be like, okay, what am I putting before God? What is um, impeding of me waking up and first thing going to God in prayer and seeking his help and his word for the whole day? And the last thing I want to just encourage you to do, when you do go into those moments of prayer, I want to invite you to just come without an agenda. Just say, God, I'm here because I want to spend time with you. I'm not here to ask anything because he already knows all, everything we need. But when we come to him and just say, Lord, I just want you. It's awesome when a friend's like, hey, man, I miss you. I just want to hang out with you just to be in your presence. That's how God wants us to be. And I encourage you, it, it, you know, before you just start bombarding, you know, with all our prayer requests, because they're important. But before you do that, just say, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. Magnify my goals and my plans so that they first and foremost impact your kingdom. Here I am. We're gonna, as the worship team sings this song, if you want to be prayed over, just come to the front. If you want to make a decision to accept Christ in your heart and you're like, I want that relationship. Or if you just need prayer, the altar is open. Thank you again for spending time with us today, and a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.